Hi everyone, welcome to Unfiltered's, Unfiltered's, I felt like I said that word, Unfiltered's very first book club. We're super excited. Uh, we are going to be reading, or we have already started reading, um, I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy, which I just have to say, saying the title out loud just feels very wrong. Yeah. No? Like when yeah, I, I agree. think about it. But then when the words try to come out, it's like, but anyway, so um, very excited for this book. Thank you guys to all of you who are joining us, listening to this bonus episode, following along, um, reading with us. We're super, super excited. And thank you to Kayla's sister, Courtney, who actually gifted us this book and gave us this awesome idea. So um, a little bit about the book. Um, So I'm on Audible right now. And it says, um, it's a number one New York Times bestseller, number one international bestseller. It's a heartbreaking and hilarious memoir by iCarly and Salmon Cat star Jeanette McCurdy about her struggles as a former child actor, including eating disorders, addiction, and a complicated relationship with her overbearing mother and how she retook control of her life. Set the stage. So the first page the prologue well maybe not the first page the prologue really kind of sets the tone for what you're gonna be maybe experiencing in the book okay let's share with us what the prologue was about for sure yes so the prologue is short it's super super short which we had warned everybody the chapters are short when we started but the prologue is short but it's basically it's basically, I think, an introduction into her relationship with her mom a little bit because she basically paints a picture where her mom is in a coma and is not expected to wake up. She's in the ICU. She's in the hospital. She's not expected to wake up. And she says that she's there with her three older brothers. And I think it's I think it's going to be important, I'm guessing, down the road, the fact that she refers to them as Marcus, the together one, Dustin, the smart one, and Scott, the sensitive one. I have a feeling that the way she's referring to them there is going to play out more down the road in this book. Yeah. That she's making a point to say, this one has his shit together. This one's super sensitive. This one's really smart. Yeah. I feel like it's foreshadowing where this is going to end up going. But anyway, her and her three brothers are there. And they're basically trying to come up with the biggest, most shocking things they can say to possibly wake her mom up from this coma that they've been told she won't wake up from. And so the one kind of steps up and says, you know, they say, they're saying things like, you know, Mama Kate and I are getting married, you know, like in hopes that like the mom will wake up. What? Yeah. And so there's like different, like different (gasps) things, different ways, you know, that they're trying to go about this. You know, Mama, I'm moving back to California, like things like that. Finally, Jeanette waits for her brothers to leave so that she's alone with her mom. And she like confidently, in my opinion, confidently is like I knew exactly what I was going to say this was my big moment I was fully prepared and she leans in and she says mom I finally hit 89 pounds and she says she just threw herself back in the chair like don't drop the mic kind of moment like she's gonna wake up and she said and she never did she didn't and if she didn't wake up because of this she's not going to like the reality hit her thoughts a lot of thoughts on that yeah first thought and she says it um in the first part there where she talks about like 
it being kind of like this thing where we think of like people in a comatose state and like that's the time we can tell them their our big things as if like they're gonna hear us and it's gonna get better and we're like we're putting that hope into the world so I think that's where they're coming from of like you know like let's you know tell her what we're gonna do and like all these big things and she's gonna be excited or wake up and 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 it's not real like that stage of denial and just heartbreaking that I agree with like confidently she's like you know them getting married isn't gonna do it him moving back to California like Mom is always, you can just tell by the way she writes it, that mom wanted me at this weight. Like, she's going to be so excited and proud of me for finally getting to 89 pounds. And then her heart realizes, oh my God, you know, like you said, if that didn't wake her up, like, wow, it, it really is. It's bad. Um, so that, right, reading that, I'm like, whoa, I've heard wonderful things about the book. I know people who've read the book who've been highly recommended. Um, but I think that was great foreshadowing for what is to come and the relationship that not only she, but hopefully we'll find out a little bit about her brother's relationship dynamic and them as a family throughout the book. I um, mean, it is nice. So she dedicated um, the book to her brother. So Marcus, was it Dustin and Scott? And Scotty, yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to take you through, um, for today's meeting, we're going to cover chapters 1 through 10 was what we have on the agenda for um, today's book club. If you aren't through it yet, that's totally fine. Life happens. Feel free to just catch us when, when you've listened or if you still want to listen, you like things getting ruined for you like me, <laughs> stick around. Um, but no, you can listen to this whenever. So if you're behind or not caught up to this point yet, um, please feel empowered to catch us on the next one. So we're going to take you through each chapter, um, just kind of cliff notes about what we read, what our thoughts were, how we're feeling. This is my first time in a book club, so I'm super <laughs> excited. Um, and the nice thing is, like she said, each chapter is only like three pages at most, I think. Yeah. So um, each chapter goes yeah, by really we, quick. We read the prologue plus the first 10 chapters, and I think we were like right around 30 pages. Yeah. For this first one. Yeah. Okay, so chapter one starts off with Jeanette kind of telling the story about, or I don't know if it's telling the story is the right word, but basically recounting um, Christmas from her childhood and how... She would always be told by her mom she needed to peel the paper off, not rip it, because her mom likes to keep the wrapping paper. And so you peel, not rip, so that the paper stays intact. And then from there, she kind of paints the picture of what the living room looks like on Christmas. And she says, you know, dad's there, but he's half asleep like always. Grandpa's there. Mom's yelling at him about his thyroid medication. Grandma's there. Things are crazy. Did you catch the part? Because I thought it was Christmas. I think it's actually her birthday. Yeah. You did care. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're reading it, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, so it's Christmas. And then she says something about in the Christmas wrapping paper, but it's the middle of June. Right. Because Grandpa bought the Sam's Club pack, which Mom said isn't even that good of a deal. But Grandpa bought the Sam's Club pack, and we're still sitting on it. And so everybody's getting reindeer and Christmas tree <laughs> wrapping paper year-round. The practicality. We love it. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, so then, so then she's talking about how, right, it's her birthday, 
She's explaining that her brothers are there. And basically her mom has decided to start the day off by giving her her first present, which is her outfit for the birthday. <laughs> and she says that basically what she opens up is her outfit is a two-piece set of, of Rugrats. The show Rugrats, t-shirt and shorts. The sleeves and the shorts both have ruffles. She doesn't like ruffles. They're Angelica. That's her least favorite character. And she's just basically like, my mother could not know me any less if she tried, basically. But she was like, but what am I going to do? I'm going to put the outfit on. I'm going to wear the outfit to try to avoid basically pissing mom off. It's yeah. kind of the way that I took that. Well, she said, like, she basically, yeah, like you said, basically this is like her least favorite thing she could open. And immediately her thought is... I love it so much, or not her thought, but what she says. Her thought is, God, I don't like this. Her words come out, oh, something about, I love it so much, it's my favorite gift. Thank you, Mom. So what she's thinking and what she feels comfortable saying are two different things. Right. <laughs> Excuse me, cough. I have a cold, so bear with me, please. No, you're good. So then, right, so she puts the outfit on. They go to her birthday party. She throws on her best fake smile. She says, Mom doesn't even notice it. She's got the zigzag headband she didn't want to wear. And then I did have to laugh because did you catch the part where she was complaining about everybody singing her the happy birthday song? Yes. <laughs> and Martina's worst nightmare is the happy birthday song. And even during the happy birthday song, she's, like, getting annoyed because they're doing, like, the cha-cha-cha in between each, like, chord or whatever. And she said, I'm looking to my mom. Who's not participating. I'm looking to her to see how she's doing. So it's very clear, like, her mom is a priority to her. Right. Like, right. she's constantly looking at her for what what's going on with her. What's going on? Is she happy? All the things. Right. So then she starts talking about how when she was two years old, her mom was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And she basically starts recounting how her mom will make them sit down every year and watch this old home video that her mom filmed the day she was diagnosed with cancer when she didn't think she would make it. And she makes everybody basically <laughs> sit down and shut up and we're going to, as a family, watch this video that mom put together. Every Sunday. Every single Sunday. Yeah, every Sunday. Every Sunday we're going to sit down and we're going to do this. And she says that the brothers basically, that her mom doesn't pick up on the fact that her brothers are uncomfortable. She's uncomfortable. They don't want to remember the time when they thought their mom wasn't going to make it. But that basically, she says, and I quote, mom loves recounting her cancer story. And basically, basically even says, you know, things to the, things to the effect of like, she loves talking about the chemo, the radiation, the bone marrow, the mastectomy, the breast implant. And then she goes on to say, you know, this, 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 the stage, how it was stage four, whatever. And she says, and she repeats it to any churchgoer, neighbor, or fellow Albertsons customer <laughs> that has five minutes to spend, you know, to spend listening to her. So I kind of get the impression, like, mom loves getting attention for this. Yes. It's kind of the impression that I that got. That this has become, with all due respect, part of, like, her personality almost. Like, right. that this is something important to her to share with people. Right. And it was like she takes that pride of, like, battling, which, right, you know, take that pride, absolutely. Right. But you're right. The way she words it kind of makes it sound like she's about me and let me tell everyone my story and and impart myself on you. Right. My needs on right. you. Well, I know she even says at one point something to the effect of, like, basically that it became clear to her the older she got that her basically she felt her mom 
believed her purpose in this life was to have cancer and to survive cancer and to talk about being a cancer survivor. That, like, that was sort of, like, mom's whole goal in life. You know? like Right. The attention it got her is what mattered. Right. So then she says, you know, as they're watching the video, she says it's a VHS tape, which I had to laugh at because kids today will never know, you know? But it was a VHS tape. And she said her mom is very specific on everybody, like, sit down, shut up, be quiet, whatever. All the way to the point of where she says this particular, like, birthday, this particular day that they're watching this, again, on her birthday, because her birthday landed on a Sunday. Let's spend your birthday watching mommy, you know, mommy's cancer video, basically. Yeah, and let's just be grateful. Like, spending it, let's remind ourselves how grateful we are I'm still here. Right, right. That was her whole thing she kept circling back to, was let's just be grateful that mommy's still around, kind of a thing. And she even says that at one point her mom basically... Like, says something like, you're such a stinker to her. And, like, uses the word stinker as, like, sit down and be quiet. Because Jeanette had, like, made a noise during the video. And, like, we need to sit down. We need to be quiet. We need to, like, I think pay it attention was, to this. I think it was something on the video tape. It was, like, she I think it was, like, she was two or something or little. And it's a very somber moment, whatever they're talking about on the video. How could you not read the room kind of a thing. And, and, and Jeanette yeah. being little, even, so, like. Now say she's eight in this time. Right. This is video from when she was two and she's singing Jingle Bells. And her mom is like basically right. like stinker. Not in like a cute like, oh, my little stinker. Right. Like, you are a stinker. You know, kind of right. like right. calling her out. was like, here you are. You know, here's my kiddo. Right. Singing along to Jingle Bells in this somber moment. And Jeanette describes it as like, I think anybody else could see, you know, oh, it's a little kid. No idea what's going on. It's kind of a lighthearted moment in that somberness that maybe you would take as, like, a breath of fresh air to have that, like, levity. Right. But Jeanette looks at it as, like, I'm mortified, basically. Like, I feel so guilty because how could that two-year-old or whoever, you know, however old I was, not know that this wasn't appropriate? Right. So even then, she's like, how could I do that to my mom? You know, my mom. Right. Well, I know that she says, too, that basically, like, she feels at this point, at this point in her childhood, at least, she feels like the center of her world is how fragile her mom's life is. Yes. Like, that all day, every day, it's at the forefront of her mind that, like, mom's life is fragile. Her cancer could come back. We need to do another recheck. We need to go to an appointment. Mom's a cancer survivor. We need to watch the video. Like, I'm like literally, I know she says at one point that, like, the center of her world is her mom's how how fragile her mom's life is yeah basically and then she ends chapter one by saying that this particular birthday much like many other many other birthdays everybody's singing her happy birthday they're doing the chang what you know the whatever and when it comes to the end of the song it's time for her to make her wish and her wish is i wish that mom will stay alive another year like she knew that she needed her birthday she knew that she needed her birthday wish to be, I wish that mom's okay because it's being basically. I have to worry about her. Right. It's being fed to me. It's being, you know, basically bred and I'm being bred to believe whatever, you know, that we need to be constantly worried about mom 24 seven. Yeah. And so my birthday wish, instead of being for a bike or whatever, is I wish that mom makes it through another year. To have that, you know? like, to think of a child taking that on is so sad. Right. I did have to laugh at the part where she, she's talking in chapter one about her mom being sick and how at one point she was when we in Catholicism would consider it like an anointing of the sick. So they take, you know, holy blessed oils 
And I think that was chapter one. Was it not? I don't know. It might have been. Keep going. I think it was. But they're, skip past that part. they're taking it. It was on like the bottom page on a left page, I remember. But they're taking the oils. Um, what? Bottom left. That's bottom, crazy. I just remember looking at it. Bottom like, left of page six. You can't make this stuff up. That's crazy. So in Catholicism, we would call it like anointing of the sick, but I believe they're Mormons. Or we come to find out they're Mormons. Um, and so she says, you know, here we are. Mama surrounded by these like preachers who are anointing her with holy oil on her bald head, I think she says, and praying over her. And the one guy says, you know, God, if it is in your will, let this woman be healed if right. it is in your will. And then her mom says something her about... grandma. No, I think her mom. It was grandma. Are you sure? Read it again. Yeah, it was grandma. It says... One missionary consecrated the olive oil so that it would be all holy or whatever, then poured the oil onto mom's head, making it even shinier. The other missionary then said the blessing, asking for mom's life to be extended if it was God's will. Grandma jumped up from her seat and said, even if it's not, even if it's not God's will, God damn it, which disrupted the Holy Spirit, <laughs> so the missionary had to start the prayer over. It disrupted the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, I totally was thinking it was the mom, so that was it my was bad. the grandma. But that just part the just made me The grandma mother daughter, basically. Right. That just made me laugh because, like, yeah, even if it's not in your will, I'd like to live, please. Thank right, you. right. I'd like my daughter to live. Yeah. Grandma, right. Even if it's not in your will, I'd like my daughter to live. So that's chapter one. Should we go into chapter two? And we'll just tell you our thoughts as we go through. Yeah. So chapter two starts with Jeanette as a kid sitting on, on the toilet, swinging her legs back and forth while her mom does her hair. And her mom says, one more row of clips and we'll be done. And obviously, Jeanette does not want to be sitting on the clothes <laughs> toilet getting these clips put in. Um, and so then in the middle of this, as she's getting annoyed because her mom is taking a while, she's putting these clips in, her mom's trying to get these clips done, the phone rings and it's her dad basically calling and saying, I'm going to be late. I won't be home until nine. And this is the first time that you see her mom. You see that clearly there's... Clearly, there's, like, <clears throat> fractures in this marriage. Like, clearly Yeah, there's there, some tension. Yeah, clearly this is, like, a tension-filled, like, marriage. This is not a good situation. Like, whatever. And basically, her dad says, I won't be home until 9. And then the mom says, you know, basically, whatever. Another, another night where the kids won't have their dad and slams the phone and hangs up on him. And then proceeds to tell Jeanette, basically, <laughs> that... You know what? And she says, you know what, Nat? You know, you know what? And Jeanette basically says in the book, I knew exactly where this was going because we had this conversation all the time. And her mom, and she says, what, mom? You know what? Knowing full well what the answer would be. And her mom says, I could have married a lawyer, an actor, a doctor, and whatever. And Jeanette finishes her sentence by saying an Indian chief. Like, Jeanette knew where this was going to go. And basically, you're getting... The impression that the mom believes she could have a much better life, a much better situation, and basically did her husband a favor by marrying him, and is just openly telling Jeanette this. Which, time out here, what kid wants to hear that you think so little of their parent, whether it's their mother or their father, and that you feel like you deserved better than them? Right. Knowing, like... I was created through you guys. Right. Like, that has to hurt. Right. And she says in the book, too, like, well, you're worth the sacrifice or whatever she says. And that you're worth it. But it's like, you shouldn't even be right. telling your kid that. Your kid should not know any of this is going on. You should not be. Right. Yeah. It was just inappropriate right. from the get. Right. 
So then, so then basically Jeanette goes on to say, you know, I was basically raised to believe that mom knew that she could have anyone she wanted back in the day. And then she had kids, which made her body less appealing. And then she even goes on to say basically that she knew that at one point her mom dated a tall ginger, very financial, stable man, producers, movie producers, music producers, all the things. You know, her mom dated this guy and this guy and this guy, which also has me as a side note questioning. Are these true stories or are these stories that mom fed Jeanette? To I make was saying the same. Better? She you says know? at one point, I think it was like, I can't remember, some like act or something. Quincy Jones. Yeah. He walked past me and looked back at me, like checking me out. It's like, was he doing that or was he like, oh, she's got gum on the bottom of her shoe? Right. Like, right. Let's right. not be so into ourselves that we're just like, right. think we're so much better than people. Right. But you're getting this vibe that the mom is all about me. A hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. So then it goes on to say basically that she says, and honestly, you know, I could have married any of those man and men and I should have. She even tells Jeanette, I should have married one of those men. I was destined for a good life, for fame and fortune. You know how much I wanted to be an actress. And this is, yeah, this is the first time that you go, okay, so mom wanted to be an actress when Jeanette was a kid. And mom's not famous to my knowledge. <laughs> So you're starting <laughs> well, to see. Well, now she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Postmortem. But you're starting to see. You're starting to see where, or pick up vibes where, okay, Jeanette's an actress who titled her biography, her autobiography, I'm Glad My Mom Died. And we're in chapter two hearing that mom wanted to be an actress. And you're like, okay, I, I see the path we're going down here. I see where this yeah. is, again, with the foreshadowing. And then Jeanette jumps in and says, but Grandma and Grandpa wouldn't let you. And the mom says, right, Grandma and Grandpa wouldn't let me. At which point Jeanette says, and I don't know to this day why Grandma and Grandpa didn't let her. I never asked. She never said. It was just the unspoken. Grandma and Grandpa didn't let her become an actress, and she always wanted to be one. And it was, again, Jeanette makes it clear in that, that this is, again, a conversation, much like the VCR videos and other things, where it was a routine thing. Like, this right. was not just, like, mom and dad had a fight, mom was stressed, she said right. something she didn't mean. This is a regular occurrence. Regular thing, letting her know, I right. could have married anybody, and I w- really wanted to be an actress, but my mom and dad wouldn't let me. So this is Jeanette filling right. in those parts she knows. But, yep, you, you didn't get to be one because grandma and grandpa didn't let you. Yep, that's exactly it, Nat. Right. So then her mom goes on to say, basically, she thinks Jeanette should act. And she says, I think you should act. I think you'd be a great actress. You're blonde, you're blue, blonde hair, blue eyes. It's exactly what they look for. You know, and I, and I have no problem driving you to Hollywood. And I know, and Jeanette even basically replies with, well, but Hollywood's like an hour and a half away, you know, each direction. And her mom says, but that's okay. I'll do it for you. You're worth it. I'll do it for my little actress. What do you say? Do you want to be an actress? And Jeanette goes, I knew there was only one right answer in that moment. Like, she knew, I have to say, yes, mommy, I will be an actress. Because it's what mom wants. Because, again, it's what mom wants, and we're trying to avoid mom losing her shit, basically. Yeah. You know? And I love how it's, like, it's so gaslighty. Like, I couldn't do it, but you can do it, and you're so great. And right. I would make that sacrifice for you. Right. And I want to say, big whoop. Like, right, there's right. mothers that have thrown themselves in the front of moving cars right. to save their kids. Like, 
Right. Driving an hour and a half each way, you're not like mother of the year. Right. Sorry. <laughs> no, but that's true. But right. yeah, I just feel like it was gaslight. You're right. Like, oh, I would do that for you. 100%. So that's chapter two. Chapter three, she basically starts talking about um, the first time she went into audition for an agent. That her mom took her to Hollywood and she's going to basically audition to try to get hooked up with an agency, an agent, and all the things. And she's basically talking about how she was extremely nervous, but her mom instructed her to use all these hand hand motions and extra, instructed her to be confident. Her mom, again, who it's, I feel like relevant to say, had no acting experience of herself, <laughs> basically coached her into how to sell yourself to this agency. And... I also love, okay, I also love that she's referring to these people. And some of it may be that she didn't want to use real names or whatever. But I love that she refers to a lot of these other kids as, like, the kid with the goatee. The kid with the, <laughs> did you notice that? Too? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, things like that where she's, like, you know, whatever. And, anyway, I think it's funny, too, because she says this is her first one and her mom coached her. And her mom tells her specifically to use all these hand gestures. Sound confident, smile big, and use these exact hand gestures. And she sits there and she watches everybody else give the same monologue and do their audition. And then it's finally her turn. And she gets up there and she does that. And the first thing the director says is, how about we do it again without the hand gestures? (laughs) (laughs) Mom's like, piss it And my mom's in the hallway. And Jeanette says, and literally says, basically, in that moment, I had this moment of like internal conflict where it's like, I don't want to tell him, no, I need to, I want to do the hand gestures because I'm afraid he won't sign me to his agency. And mom will be mad. But if I go back and I tell mom I got assigned by the agency because I did not use her hand gestures, she's going to be upset that I did not use her hand gestures. Like, she feels, like, backed into a corner. That internal conflict. What do I do here? You know, what do I do here? Which one is going to make mom less mad is almost the way that I kind of took that. Yeah. I agree. I thought that was hilarious, too. It's like, yeah, let's forego everything your mom basically told you. Yeah. (laughs) So then, basically, she goes on to say that um, the way that this is going to work is that there's like 12 kids in the room and right off the bat, three get asked to leave. And I, okay, I did get a good laugh when she says three get asked to leave, but I think only one of them realized that they've actually been cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you can just picture these other two kids like going to get ice cream, you yeah. know, like, all right, call me tomorrow. Like, yeah. Oh, no, no skin off my bed. And Jeanette's yeah. sitting there going, like, you're you're not getting a call tomorrow. Like, you've been caught. Like, do we need to make this more clear? You know, like. So then anyway, so then there's nine remaining. And all nine of those basically get told, or six, I'm sorry, six of the nine, right? Get told, we'll make you background actors. Yes. We'll make you background actors. You're never going to speak. You're never going to talk. But we'll let you do group roles in the background kind of a thing. And then she sticks around long enough to hear what the other three got. Because then those six get dismissed and she's in that group. And then she hears that these other three that hadn't been talked to yet got what's called principal actors. They get the speaking roles. They get these like extra, these basically glorified it's a bigger role. Bigger role. It's still an extra, but it's like a glorified extra, right? And I had to laugh again when she says, and so I went back and I told mom, you know, mom, I got, you know, I got the part of background actor and her mom was so excited and she was so proud of her and it was perfect. And Jeanette goes, and I just pray to God she never realizes that there was a step <laughs> above that. Right. <laughs> like, again, you because know. I can't be the one to tell her. I can't disappoint her. 
Yeah. I, you know, can't put her through that. I have to worry about her feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, this is the part where we go, (sighs) in my mind, I'm going foreshadowing, foreshadowing. I see where this is going. I see where this is going. Is that she, her and her mom then have to go to the office and they have to fill out all the paperwork to become a background actor. And her mom, because she's under 18, has to sign on the dotted line. And then Jeanette has to sign on the dotted line. And at one point, Jeanette basically asks her mom, you know, mommy, why am I signing on the line? What is this? What is this for? Kind of a thing. And I think she's like eight at the time. Right? Isn't she yeah, like eight Yeah, I want to say, point? yeah, because later on it says something about being eight. Yeah. And she was like, basically, what am I signing this for? And her mom says, well, this part here just explains that your agent through the agency will get to keep 15% of everything you make. And then she, and no, 20, 20%. Your agent through the agency will get to keep 20% of everything you make. Then what we're going to do is the next 15% will go into a trust fund for you to access at, on your 18th birthday. And what, do you remember what that's called? The Cougar, Coogan? Coogan account. Coogan account. Coogan account. We'll go into a Coogan account, which you can access only once you turn 18. The rest of it goes to me. And Jeanette says, and I kind of pushed back, like, well, but mommy, why do you get so much? And her mom says, well, I'm only taking what I deserve for my salary and to cover the essentials. So of the 100% of the whole pie, of the whole, you know, paycheck, the agent gets the first 20%. The next 15% goes into a Coogan account that Jeanette cannot access until she turns 18. And the remaining 65% goes to mom. Which she says something which I thought was funny and like, girl, please. Because she's explaining the Coogan account, right. I think, and saying like, here's how it traditionally works. Yes. They get the 20, 15 goes into this Coogan account, which I think is a law. Like you have to have this account set up if children are working. It's like against the law not to. And then she's explaining, and usually the parent keeps the rest. But do you know, she says something about like, but don't worry, you're lucky. She basically says, again, gaslighting. You're lucky because I'm not going to keep that much. I'm just going to take enough for my salary and the essentials. Right. And that's where Jeanette's like, pushing back a little like, well, what are, what are essentials? Like, I don't even know what that means, you know? Right. I think then her mom says, well, don't you trust me? Right. So end of discussion there. Right. So basically, yeah, she's keeping the rest. Right. And, right. Like, right. read between the lines. Right. Mom's pocketing 65% of every paycheck. Right. And the agent's getting 25%. And that leaves with Jeanette, that leaves Jeanette with 15% <laughs> that she cannot access until her 18th birthday. Yeah. So then as they're filling out this paperwork, the original guy from the agency who held these auditions, basically, comes comes and talks to her mom and says, you know, I really think your daughter has the potential to be a principal actor one day, which immediately has me going, insert foot in mouth here, because she was trying to not have her mom know about the principal work, and oh, this right, guy just right. walks right up and says, you know, whatever. And her mom gets almost offended and was like, what, what do you mean potential someday? And he was like, well, she just seems really shy right now, and we want to work with her to get, you know, bring her out of her shell and whatever. And her mom basically says, no, 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 she'll be fine. She'll be fine. She wants to do it more than anything. And basically, like, convinces this guy to, like, work with her and to give her another shot and to, like. Well, I think he he sticks to his guns at this point, though, because she's, like, talking back, like, well, no, she um, is capable. Why do you think that she's not? You know, why didn't she get this part, basically? 
And he says, well, I think she just wasn't super confident, I think was one of it. Right. And saying, and he said something about, she has to want it too. Right. Like that needs to come across. And that's when right. mom well, says, that was the other thing. she does. You right. Know. Mom's like, she does. And then Jeanette in the book, you know, like her like commentary or whatever is basically like mom wants me to act. Right. Like she basically is like, this is mom's thing. Yeah. So then that's the end of three. Do you have anything else on three or no? No, just that you're really figuring out that mom. Yeah. Mom is about mom and advancing for mom. Yes. <clears throat> yes. So then chapter four starts with basically her mom waking her up for her first day of background work as a background actor on the X-Files. And basically, I okay, I love, I love that we start this chapter by her saying, mom woke me up to go to my first day of the X-Files and basically... Let's me know right away off the bat. Good morning. Aren't you so happy I'm conquering my fear for you? Because mom has a fear of driving on the highway, but is conquering this fear to drive her the 90 minutes to Hollywood in order to be a background actor on the X-Files, which is a job that mom basically bullied her into taking. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, but I'm doing all this for you. Look at all this effort I'm putting in. Right. For you. Your kid shouldn't have to worry about this. Right. Yeah. And so then mom basically says they need to be there at... They need to be there at 5 a.m., but mom basically wakes her up at, like, 2.30 or 3 or something like that. And is like, we need all this time because I'm afraid to drive. So they end up getting there super early. They end up at Universal, like, very, very early, or Fox or wherever they're at. Yeah, I can't remember. 20th Century Fox. An hour earlier than we needed to be. So they started walking around taking pictures as if they're, like, fans. Did you catch that part? She yes. said, Mom made me pose with the Darth Vader statue <laughs> and then the mural of somebody else. And it's like, oh, my God. But anyway, so then they basically go. It was, like, 445. They need to be there at 5. They go to check in. And the person says, you know, you're early. You're 15 minutes early, but you're welcome to go down the hallway to craft services if you want. And this part, okay, this part got me, too. You're welcome to go down to craft services if you want. And she says, so we walk down to the signs where it says background actors, you know, craft services. And she says, you know, I look and it's got muffins and bagels and fruit and Pop-Tarts and all this stuff and then trays of pancakes and whatever. And she said, you know, I look at my mom and I'm like, oh, this all looks good. And, my, and mom goes, and it's free. Like yeah. she's all excited to be like, and it's free. So what does mom do? She starts taking muffins and bagels and things and wrapping them in napkins and shoving them in her purse to take home to Jeanette's brother so that they can also try the craft services. Everybody knows one person like this. A hundred percent. Every, I'm confident we know at least one person like this that's 100%. stuffing things in their bag for later and, oh, I'm going to share this with so, so late. It's like, no. Right. Yeah, but she's loving it. Yeah, she's sticking stuff in her purse for later. She's living her 100%. dream. One hundred percent. So then, so then basically we get to this first day on the X-Files, and she's with 29 other kids, and she gets taken away. Her mom gets put in a room. All the parents get put in a room, and the kids get taken to set. And I will say, I did think it was fun, like, not funny, but I did like the, to see her reaction. Remember when she says she walks on the set for the first time, and the lights are so bright, and the floor is so big, and the set is so cool. Like, almost like the experience of walking onto a set was really cool to her. Yes. Although she didn't really want to be there to act. Yes. That it was this new experience of like, yes, kind of. Yeah. Like something, a fun new kind of adventure of something she's yeah. never done before. Yeah. 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 
So then she says, basically, I'm with 29 other kids and I'm trying to keep track, keep mental notes, keep track of everything the director says and everything we're doing. Because she's like, I've got a 90 minute drive home with mom and mom's going to want to know every detail because they kept, mom, they, kept, they kept the parents in a separate room. And so she says, I had to laugh because she says, so I'm listening to the director and he says, basically, the 29 of you, we want you all to look like you're scared to death. And she goes, okay, scared to death. Got it. Tell mom that I'm scared to death. You know, like, and I thought that part was funny, too. And so she says they're working down the line of all the kids and give the director saying, give me your best scared to death face. And she says, finally, they get to the ninth person, me, and I give mine. And he says, that's it. Give me a close up of her. And so then she goes on to basically say, um, they did, we filmed the whole, we filmed the whole day, this one scene, which I thought was funny. It was crazy to her too. Cause now you look at it and you're like, it's common knowledge that these actors take a week to film one scene. Right. You know, but but for her a kid, a kid it's like, at the time. done this 12 times. Yeah. She had no idea. And so she spent <gasps> all day filming this one scene and they kept doing this close up of her face and whatever. And so she said when she's finally done. Oh, and I thought this was funny too, is that every time, every time they got a break, and they went back, the kids went back to craft services or whatever. She had to walk past the room that the parents are in. And her mom made a point to look up and wave at her every time she walked by. Mm-hmm. Like, mom's in tune with... She's watching. She's watching. She's not in the room, but she's watching. She knows what's going on. She can hear what people are saying. You know, whatever. And is this the chapter two where we talk about the bathroom? No. No, was it the next chapter? That's the next Sorry, one. I totally forgot my book. So I'm like, Kayla has That's to leave to remind one. me. Okay. We're not there yet. Okay. No, we're not there yet. That's four. This is four. Yeah, this is four. So four ends with her basically telling her mom, (gasps) by the end of the day, she's exhausted. It's been eight and a half hours being on set and doing schoolwork because she's homeschooled at this point, doing schoolwork on set. And basically her mom asks her on the way home, like, what did you do? What did, you know, whatever. And. She says, oh, we were we were all suffocating to death. We were 29 kids who were suffocating to death. And she that said... That was the role. Right. That was the role. Right. To clarify. Yeah. That was like, it was like, we're packed in like sardines. No, the role was like, you're scared to death because your children are suffocating. Suffocating yeah. to death. Uh, and she says, but the one the one nice thing is that the director of all the of all 29 kids, the director decided that the close up would be of my scared to death face, that I had the best face. And right off the bat on command, her mom's like, oh, my God, you got picked for the close-up. After this, they're going to beg you to be a principal actor. The agency's going to call and beg for you to do more work for them. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, so so you gave mom an inch and she's taking a mile. Right. You know, like, you can't just be happy that your daughter got the close-up. Now it's like they're going to beg you for more. Well, it's just like, I don't know any parent, and I, I know they're probably out there, but that your child comes to you and is like, this is so great. Like... I got this awesome role. Like, I think as a parent, you're like, that is so exciting. That's amazing. I'm so proud of you. But her mom immediately was like, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, it's going to be no time before you do this next level. It's like, well, let's appreciate this level she reached today. Right. Let's focus on the accomplishment of today and not put more pressure on, well, now you're going to accomplish this tomorrow. You know? Right. Let's focus on the now. Right. Do you want to do this one? Oh, I guess I could. She's I mean, we could just pass. We could just pass the book back and forth. Okay, so chapter. So that was five. four. Okay, so chapter five talks about more about the faith, and she's talking about how she really um, that church she is 
the Garden Grove Sixth Ward of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's a lot. That's a mouthful. So I will say, as a side note, I was reading this going, okay, so she's a Mormon. Now we're talking about Latter-day Saints. We get farther. Is it this chapter? Is it a different one? We get, we actually get a Joseph Smith reference. We oh, get, like, yes. and all I can think in my head is like polygamy, sister wives, Cody Brown's <laughs> right up dick, like all the things. Yeah. So she's talking about how, like, church is this reprieve for her. Yeah. Um, and I think, oh, what's the nice way? For a lot of kids, church can be boring. Oh, right. 100%. Like, I grew up sometimes thinking, like, oh, this is kind of boring, and it was an hour. Well, you find out that these services are three hours, but it's a reprieve for her because she's out of the home. And she talks about um, how her grandma was baptized as a Mormon when she was eight. Mom was baptized as a Mormon when she was eight. And she said, just like them, I'm going to be baptized when I'm eight. Because, she says, that's when Joseph Smith said you become accountable for your sins. Before then, you can sin scot-free. That's funny. And she talks about how yeah. um, even after grandma and mom, so grandma being, I'm guessing, the maternal mom is what I get out of this chapter, that grandma and mom are baptized. They really didn't go to church up until mom got sick. And then that was when they really started thinking like, okay, we got to kind of put in the legwork to get God kind of on our side. So as you might say. Um, so she's talking about trying to get everyone ready. The church is a reprieve away from kind of the dysfunction of her family. She's trying to get everybody ready. She's worrying about grandpa because grandpa's putting too much, I think was it butter on his toast. Yeah. And that always upsets mom because butter is expensive and it's bad for grandpa's health. So she's worried about preventing mom from becoming upset with grandpa. So she's telling grandpa, hey, can you lay off the butter? Um, the gall is amazing. I don't think I'd ever tell my grandparent, hey, lay off the butter, man. But she's worried about that. She's trying to make everything go right because she wants her family to leave in time for church. She wants everybody out the door because it sounds like they're late a lot. Um, she says, more than anything, I love the escape. Church is beautiful, peaceful, three-hour weekly reprieve from the place I hate most, home. And that hurt my heart. Because as a kid, it was like the opposite. Right, right. You know, for me, it was like, I can't wait to get home and get to do the things I want. And it was the opposite. So then she talks about how they rent this house. And it's her dad's parents who own it. And the parents rent it. And she says, we're late on rent most months. Mom is adamant. <coughs> we shouldn't have to pay rent at all because we're family. That's what family does. So again, you get the idea that mom is about mom and kind of has this entitled attitude of like, well, I should get this. They should do this for me. Um, so then you find out that mom's parents live with them as well. So even with mom, grandpa, mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, all four of them are working. Well, the mom actually not so much. We'll get into that in a second. Right, right. But they're still struggling to pay them the rent on time. And basically, it's a miracle that anybody well, else she, would have kicked him out. Yeah, she basically says that if her if her dad's parents didn't own the house, they would have for sure been kicked out by now. And I had to laugh, too, at this part. So, 
talks about how Grandpa works as a ticket master at Disneyland. Grandma's a receptionist at a retirement home. Dad makes cutout cardboards for Hollywood video um, and works at Home Depot. And then it gets to Mom and she goes, Mom went to beauty school but says having babies sidetracked her career. Plus, the hair bleaching fumes are toxic. Put in quotes <laughs> as like, that's what her mom always yeah. said. So she picks up shifts at Target around the holidays but says her main job is ensuring I make it to Hollywood. I mean, come right. on. Right. Uh, so I just love that she puts it back in her kids. Like, yeah, fortunately, having kids really, really set me back. Right. As if women don't do that literally every day. Right. Right. So we talk about that going through here. And then we're talking about the home. So um, in the beginning, it's kind of mentioned by one of the brothers that mom might be a hoarder. Mm hmm. And, like, even when she's talking about, I have to peel the the gift wrapping paper nicely because mom likes to keep it as a memory. You know, I think it was, like, Dustin says she's a whore, but mom says it's important to keep the memory. So, um, she's talking about basically that the home is kind of, what I, she doesn't, I don't know how to word this, that maybe is hoarding. Yeah. Do you get that vibe? Yeah. Like, maybe that there's truth to that. Um, she mentions that, like, their bedrooms are so filled with things that they can't even get to their beds. So they have, like, those kids, like, trifold mats that you'd have, like, your six-year-old do gymnastics on, that they sleep on those in the living room because they can't make it to their beds. And then she talks about the garage, how it has two entrances, the back door and the main garage. And then there's this little path. Everything else is full of stuff. Like, it's hard to get through, but there's this little path where you can get through, but you don't really want to be on the path because they have a rat and possum problem in the garage, and there's dead possums and rats along the path. So, essentially, the garage is a no-go. But you have a fridge that you're just able to get to. So, she says, the one garage door is broken, like the main, uh, what is it? Like, the garage door that automatic, but yeah. it's not automatic. Yeah. So, she says it's a two-person job. So, if I go out with my brother, he's in charge of, like, keeping the weight up, you know, keeping keep it up. the door open. Open. And that's a hard job. It takes a lot of work, a lot of strength. And I quick get the food or whatever we need from the garage because you can't just clearly walk in and do that. So, you get an idea that hoarding is probably true. Um, let's see. Talks about the bedrooms. We talked about that. She says, this house is an embarrassment. This house is shameful. I hate this house. I hate how being inside it makes me feel tense and anxious. And all week long, I look forward to my three-hour escape into the land of testimonies and pine-scented tile cleaner at the church. So she's really working hard to try and get everybody moving and going. And her brothers are waking up late. And she's like, you guys have, like, I think, was it, like, five or ten minutes to eat your cereal and be done. Well, she says she lays out, what did she call it? Um, oh, what did she call it? The the white ta towel? Do you remember what she called it? I'm trying to look. Oh, the white blanket or white? What did Let's she see. call it? White Yes, the white thing is what she calls white, it. Oh, just the white thing. Yeah. <laughs> We're overthinking it. The white thing. So it's basically like this white tablecloth. 
that she puts on the living room floor because that's where they have to eat. I get the vibe because they can't eat at the kitchen table. Like, that's just where they have to eat. But she says, Mom's always upset because the boys always overfill their bowls, their cereal bowls, with milk. And as they're walking, they spill the milk. And she goes, and I know already what's going to happen. So I'm trying to prevent it. I see that they've spilled. I'm going to the bathroom and I'm going to the bathroom. I'm yelling at Grandma, get out of the bathroom. The boys need to get in here. So much going on. So she goes to get a wet paper towel to dab it. And she's dabbing it, trying to clean it up. Because she says, if we don't, if mom steps in that with her pantyhose, she's basically going to go off. And she's going to demand that, oh my gosh, look what happened. Now we have to stop at CVS so I can get new pantyhose. She's like, don't want that to happen. I don't want to make mom mad. And I don't want to delay this trip to church because this is my, this is my retreat, you know. So what happens? She cleans it off. Obviously, she used wet cloth, so it's still wet. Mom comes by and she's almost taking you to like almost like slow motion of like, oh my gosh, it's too late for me to do anything. Mom steps in it, like taking you into that moment. And sure enough, what happens? But mom steps in it. She's upset, yelling. And of course, well, now we're have to get sidetracked. Now we're going to be late because I have to stop at CVS. So then at the end, she talks about, um, I wonder if there's something different I could have done to get us out the door faster. So she's putting it again on her. Like, I, what could I have done? I did this. I got grandpa going. I did this. I got them going. I didn't prevent mom from getting mad. What could I have done to make us get out faster? Right. She puts it on herself. She carries that all herself the whole time. Yeah. Everything is about how can I basically have peace, make it peace, and make it work. She says, I wonder if there's something I can do in the future. That made my heart sad. Like, that she's just so desperate to get out of here. She says, maybe we'll make it to church in time for the song. It's called Popcorn Popping. It was yeah, one of her, her favorite songs. So that is the end of chapter five. And then six takes us more kind of into the dysfunction of the family unit, but even more specifically of the parents. So she's talking about how she, is that a nice way of saying it's, we all put the fun in dysfunction. And to some point, like, some of this is relatable in the terms of, like, oh, we've all had moments, like, families are not the Brady Bunch. Like, we all have our moments where we were less than great to one another. Um, so I get a lot out of this that I'm like, yeah, I can relate to some of the mm-hmm. the tension or whatever that happens in family units. Um, but some of this is a little wild, so buckle up. So she's talking about, she's screaming, Daddy, as her dad walks through the door. He says, hi, Nat, just kind of blandly. And you see that she really just wants to connect with him. That She's like, how's work? You know, really spending any opportunity that maybe, like, she can go above and beyond and, and make him interested in her. I'm desperate for something else to talk about with him, she says. So he came back from work. You know, he's asking, did you have any fun? All these things. Or she's asking him. And he's just, his mind is elsewhere. Like, he really can't be bothered to really connect. So he comes in, um, and you can see he's got a concerned look on his face. She turns her head to see what he's looking at. There it is. There's mom. And she can say, she said, I can tell immediately by her body language and facial expression. And she takes you into what she looks like. That she's not upset. She's not angry. She's livid. 
She's about to blow. And she goes, oh, no, there's got to be something I can do. So then her mom goes into Mark. She's so angry. And quickly she goes, I jump in. I, I love you, Mommy. Like, she's just, she knows it's about to blow. And she's thinking, what can I do to bring my mom back down? Like, what mm -hmm. can I do to try and prevent it? And so she's thinking in her mind, she says this, you know, I've got this. I can keep her calm. But the mom is already, her voice rising. And she says, Mark Eugene McCurdy. And she says, you know, once that Eugene comes out, basically it's bad. Is this the part where, is this the part where, who was the TV show? The TV show. There was a TV show. Her mom likes to watch a TV show. Oh, yes. The Jay Leno. Jay yes. Leno. Yeah. I wanted to say Jay Leno, and then I was like, is it Jay Leno? Yeah. She was like, if mom doesn't even stop yelling for Jay, the mention of me watching Jay Leno with her, you know it's bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. So she's talking about, I guess the dad was home late from work, and the mom is pissed. She's laying into him, and yeah, Jeanette's like, what can I do? I love you, mommy. That didn't work. She's looking over at her brothers, who are playing some video game, and... She basically says it's like they're unreachable. Like, they're unfazed. You get the idea that this is nothing new. They can't even be bothered to look away because it's, you know, another Tuesday in the house, right? So then she says, you know, Mommy, can we, let's watch Jay Leno. That's her favorite. And she says, even though I'm more of a, what did she say, a Conan fan. Yeah. But she said that didn't work either. So, you know, you know she's really mad when, um, basically she's not even... Wanted to do that. She made a comment too about how um, Sister Huffmeyer, she told the sister that they like to watch Jay Leno, must be at church, and that um, the sister said that Jay's a little risque and shouldn't I be in bed by 11.30 p.m.? <laughs> but the mom told her that the sister's a judger, so she can just disregard. If you were yelling at someone, <laughs> if you were really pissed and you were fight and you were yelling at someone and they suddenly said... Do you want to just table this and go watch Dateline? Are you going to table this and go watch Dateline? Depends how mad I am, but maybe I need a breather to watch Dateline. <laughs> but my little, my heart just felt bad for her little heart, thinking, like, she's so desperate just to keep the peace. And she can already tell what's going to trigger her mom, and she can spot when her mom is about to blow. And basically, it gets bad. So, <sighs> mom is upset, obviously. The intensity is growing. She lunges at dad, and dad backs up, and then mom trips on her knees. So dad's not hitting her. Dad's backing up, and she fell when she lunged. She's screaming, abuse, abuse. Meanwhile, I'm like, are grandma and grandpa in the other room? Like, right. another Tuesday, just like the, the brothers? Right. Um, well, and I also think, like, time out there for a sec, because I also think that that's, that speaks to mom's <gasps> character, too. Or, like, that speaks to mom. Too that like she lunged and initiated the the escalation to it being a physical argument. Dad throws his hands up and backs up. Mom falls on her knees from lunging and immediately goes to abuse, abuse. Right. Which also makes you go, how many other times has mom cried abuse? You know, cried wolf in an abuse situation. And her name is Deb. If we didn't tell you, her name is Deb. So Deb the gaslighter is what immediately I think of gaslighting Deb. Um, but yeah, so she's screaming abuse. Where are the grandparents? Who knows? Um, <laughs> she's like, meanwhile, over here, they're celebrating their win on this video game, totally oblivious. And the dad's trying to calm the mom down. Like, Deb, I'm just, I'm just a couple hours late. You know, I had to help a customer, all these things. And um, this was like, I laughed, but it's cringy and sad. But 
Jeanette says um, that her mom's talking about, don't undermine me. And the dad's trying to, like, keep her controlled. And the mom frees her wrist and starts slapping him and is spitting in his face. And Jeanette goes, go, mom, you've got this. I cheer her on like I always do as soon as I get past the fear. So at first I'm like laughing, like what the hell you're cheering your mom into doing this. But then it's like, that's her protecting herself. That's her making sure mom knows I support her and mom knows that I'm here for her and I'm worried about mom. So then dad basically is at a point. He's like, Deb, you need help is what he tells her. And oh, that's like a trigger word for her. So she goes off. I don't need help. You need help. Don't talk to me like that. All the things. And she goes into the kitchen and grabs a knife and basically threatens him with the knife, says, get out, get out of my house, she yells. Um, and then the dad says, Deb, please, you can't keep doing this. So then you realize this is not just a one-off thing. This is like a pattern of behavior. And she says, the last time mom forced dad to sleep in his car was a few months back. It's been a normal turnaround than usual, or it's been... A longer turnaround than usual. Typically, he's kicked out once a week or so. So, like, this pattern of dysfunction, which, again, we can all re- relate to dysfunction in some way, but this is, like, beyond that level. So, she's threatening him with a knife. Eventually, he's like, you know what? Fine. Whatever. Sleeps in his car. And that's where we end Chapter 6. Well, and I also think, okay, so before we go to 7... I also think the other thing that I thought was important here in this chapter two was the fact that as she's going through the main points of this, as she's going through the motions of this mom versus dad brawl or whatever, she's also saying things like, dad comes home from work, he stops and stares, I turn to look up, look and see what he's staring at, and in the background someone cheers because they've won 007 on the Nintendo. Then she says... Mom starts yelling at dad and, you know, dad starts yelling at mom and they start screaming and they're fighting. And I'm trying to tell her, you know, let's watch Jay Leno and it's not working. And in the background, someone wins 007. And then she's like, you know, mom lunges at dad. Dad steps back. Mom falls on her knees. She calls abuse. And in the background, someone wins 007. You know, this mom grabs a knife, comes at dad with a knife. And in the background, someone wins 007. And you're like, okay. So we're also, what I'm also picking up here is that these brothers are almost oblivious to what's going on around them because it's so normal. Right. It's so normal to these brothers that they're not even aware. So Jeanette is internalizing it and going, I feel partially, at least partially, if not fully responsible for mom's behavior and her decisions and her her mood and her whatever. And I'm going to take that on and I'm going to carry this weight and I'm going to try to avoid it and I'm going to try to you know, be an adult in this situation. Meanwhile, her three older brothers are like, I'm going to do everything I can to block it out, and then that's going to be my survival tactic. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, exactly. They, and who's to say they haven't been in her position, too, of, like, oh, right. trying to be that peacekeeper, and they've learned, you know what? I, I can't. Not, yeah. It doesn't work as much and as hard as I try. Yeah. These are two full-grown adults who need to work yeah. out, and I can't be... You're right. I need to sur- find this survival method for myself and protect myself and yeah um and it's also worth noting too at the end like after the dad gets out she says her mom just like slips um you know down like you know slumps her body down and is just sobbing yeah uncontrollably so you you 
you come to think that her mom's going through probably a lot mentally, in my opinion, supposedly, and there's no proof, but Allegedly. the words that are on here, if you know, you know. Right. Um, but again, so here she is after witnessing all of this, how traumatic is that? Now here she is comforting her mom. Right. And that's where six ends. So um, seven begins and it takes you back to her acting. So it says she's been standing on this pile of dirt since 6 a.m. This is the bathroom one. I yes. Think. Yeah. Yes. This is the bathroom one. So she is, it's not a, the principal is like. She's a background actor. She's the background. That's right. So the back, she's a background actor. And then the next step is a principal actor. She's talking about the difference of like, here I am so tired. I'm in these, it's like great depression era acting um, on this set of a short film called Golden Dreams, where it's all about the Great Depression. So she's wearing clothes that smell. She's got this gunk on her teeth that they had to put on her teeth and makeup to make it look like her teeth are rotting. And it's so uncomfortable. And she's a kid and she's just not super happy and it's uncomfortable. And she's talking about how, like, the next level, the principal actors, you know, they're out. We're all out in the sun, right, working, and we're all tired and hot and sweaty. But the principal actors get the shaded umbrella. And the principal actors get the nice cold water bottles. And basically, here's us, like, you know, fend for yourselves type of deal. But her mom, you know, can obviously see, like, she's not having a great time. Yeah, And she's a kid. You're going to get tired. Right. Been here since 6 a.m. And I think she says it's noon now. And I've been standing in this one dirt pile. You know, it's boring. You're tired. Right. You're hot. And the mom, you know, again, is coaching her. You don't look happy. You don't look happy to be here. You know, people right. are watching. Um. So she says she goes into the bathroom. She says, I've been holding my poop for an hour and couldn't hold it anymore. So she finally asked to take a break. Um, And so she... Her mom warns that she might be labeled difficult for asking, like, the director if she can take a break. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not a mom, but I can imagine, like, your kid has to poop. Your kid has to poop. Like, right. like I get it. Maybe you. I well, and it like, is that fine line. I mean, like, the unfortunate reality of it is that in the entertainment industry, that is the reality of it, is that you are going to run, you, as, from a parent standpoint, from you know, if it were me with my kid, right, you need to put your kid your kid ahead of the fame, the fortune, the job, the whatever. You know, you need to take care of your kid. And if she needs to go to the bathroom, she's an eight-year-old kid who can't control that. Right. You take her to the damn bathroom, right? She's not at all. On the flip side, it's showbiz. She is going to become labeled as difficult. She may get less offers. Like, yeah. that's the unfortunate reality of the industry we're dealing with here. I know, but just as a mommy, you want to be like, just take your kid to the bathroom. Like, yeah, honey, let's go. Yeah, right? 100%. But you have to remember, mom's got a super, in my opinion. She's got an agenda. Mom's got a, a very strict agenda, and she's got a very closed-minded way of going about it. That yes. I need to get from A to B and nothing better stop in my way, not even your need to go to the bathroom. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um. So, anyway, so she's got to poop. So, her mom... Goes and wets a paper towel with water. She says, I'm embarrassed. She still insists on wiping my butt. I try to tell her that now that I'm eight, I think, you know, I think I can handle it. But then she says she looked like she was going to cry and said she needed to do it basically because she doesn't want skid marks on her underwear. 
eight years old and still wiping her. That shocked me. And I told Kayla, I'm like, I don't know at what age you like cut that off. Way before eight. But it was weird. And and again, you get this feeling of like, well, I tried to to kind of set my boundary, right? Like try to let her know I can do it. But she looks so sad. And how can, you know, like you get that vibe of like, but it's going to make my mom upset. Right. And I have to worry about how her, how she's going to feel. I have to put right. her needs before mine. So then her mom's coaching her, you know, you know, keep look happy, all the things. Um, <laughs> and she says, I get out to the dirt pile and I try to look the opposite of how I'm feeling. So like, I'm not feeling it, but I'm trying hard to, to be in it. And she hears um, a director ask one of the assistants, um, where's that, that sad girl from earlier? They're looking for a sad right. girl. And he points to them like, oh, here she is. Um, and they're like, oh, come with me. They walk her toward, um, you know, the set. And she does this role, which she was not hired specifically for this role. But they saw basically she was like looking sad. And right. that's what they needed in that role. So they put her in this key shot. Um, and then after the shot, they told her mom, like, she's good to go. We've basically, she's in this key shot now, so we can't have her do the role she's going to do. Um, and then the guy, the director says, and actually, since we have her in this key role, which was not what she was hired on to do, we have to get new paperwork signed since this is a principal role. And oh my gosh, she says her mom is just shaking with joy. How did this happen? Like, she's just thrilled like right. this is her life stream not her daughter's life stream right. her life stream and he basically explained you know well the little girl we hired wasn't sad enough so basically right. your daughter fit the bill right um he said you know your daughter has a great sad face she's like oh yes yes she does and she kind of Jeanette um you know has a little comical chuckle here at like the irony of the mom coaching kind of like the arms like do do this right. And it was the opposite that landed this role. You know, right. be happy, look happy, don't be difficult and right. sad and tired. And that's what they were looking for. Right. So the assistant director gets a new paperwork. She's now a principal actor on the shoot. So they get home and she calls Academy Kids, which is the agency. The agency. And of course, the first thing she, she gets home. She just has to call him and gush about how great she did and this news that now she's a principal actor on this shoot. Um, and basically, I think she basically thinks, oh, now she's going to get all principal. Like, she's now reached the level. Right. And they kind of tell her, the agency, well, like, we're still going to have her do, like, kind of. We're still going to put her up for more background <laughs> roles to try to get experience under her belt. Right, kind because you, yeah, it's kind of a one-off thing. just jump into the deep end here because you got picked for this, you know. Yeah, and so they said, well, it'd be like core background. So she's, you know, she's building up to the next level, but she's not quite at that truly principal on every shoot. And she's just adamant, like, well, you know, well, she's great and she can do it and all the things and almost like guilting them into thinking, like, how right. dare you right. think my daughter isn't capable um, but again, they want to get her some more experience. Um, and then he says, well, we want to get her more experience and then we can reassess. And the mom says, reassess my ass <laughs> while she hangs up the phone. Right. She says, I always worry that the person on the other line will hear mom complaining about them. Before she hangs up. Before she up. hangs yeah. up because she does it a lot. Yeah. She says, it's never been a problem yet. So I guess that's good. Right. Um, 
So she says her mom's tense for the rest of the night. Basically, I think let down like she had this hope that now she's going to be this principal actor all the time. Well, that's not how it works. So she's a little bit tense. And she tells her, you might be a glorified extra for now, baby. But if we keep going, you'll be a bona fide principal performer soon enough. Yeah. Again, that's mom's dream. You, one thing is very clear here. Everything is mom's dream. 100%. Everything that 100%. she does is mom's dream. I'm giving you back. I'm giving you so you can. Okay. So then chapter eight. Where are we at? Oh, okay. So chapter eight, we have Barbara Cameron. Oh, this was a juicy this, one. Yeah, this was chapter eight. So chapter eight is basically starts off by saying that another pilot shoot went well, but she never got bumped up from glorified extra. She's still not technically a principal actor. But at this pilot shoot, there <gasps> is another principal actor in the same craft services area. And Jeanette's mom gets talking with this mom, and this mom mentions that her kid is represented by Barbara Cameron, and basically says, here's her number, why don't you give her a call for your daughter? At which point, Jeanette's mom goes, like, absolutely crazy fangirl moment, and was like, can you believe it, Jeanette? It's Barbara Cameron. It's Barbara Cameron. Don't I mean, you know who Barbara Cameron is, right? And Jeanette's like, no. And she's like, well, she's Candace Cameron's mom, and Kirk Cameron's mom, and, you know, re- Obviously, we all know the Cameron kids, right? Like, rattling off all these actors and actresses that she's the mom of. And she said, but she was also their manager. And she represented them all. And now she's representing other kids. And she's just given us her number. And so, basically, like, basically, we're going to get to go and we're going to get to meet her and whatever. It's this new connection. Like, now they've got the in, right? Exactly. They've got the in with the Cameron momager herself. (laughs) Exactly. And so, basically, mom calls Barbara and sets up the audition for her and her older brother, Marcus. Because she's now also convinced Marcus to get into acting. So, now we've got Marcus and Jeanette involved. Um, And then, what? Doesn't she say, too, like, I don't think Marcus was that, like, this also was not his dream. Well, right, right. She also says this wasn't Marcus's dream, but she also says that she envies Dustin and Scotty. And does not understand why mom has singled out her and Marcus. Like, she has two other brothers who've totally been tossed to the wayside. And somehow, (laughs) someway, they get to say no to acting. Yeah. But Marcus and I don't. But she says, but again, I'm never going to question mom on why she she doesn't involve Dustin and Scotty. Because it just feels like one of those unspoken family rules that this is for me and Marcus and not for them. So then she says, Barbara works from home. So she goes to Barbara's house one day. And Barbara and another woman are sitting there and they basically hold, they basically hold this audition for Jeanette and her brother Marcus to see whether or not they want to represent them. And she says that mom is like crazy about it, runs the, uh, runs the monologues in the car on the way there. They go, they go back one by one to do their audition and Marcus goes first. And she says that basically Marcus is, um, what does she say? They said that they, he thought he was funny and he made like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what was his... Because um, they had very different... Because again, they had very different monologues. Here we go. It says, Marcus and I are each given monologues that we have an, a half hour to work on before coming back and performing them. 
I don't know what movies these monologues are from, but Marcus is playing a high school sophomore whose girlfriend committed suicide. And I'm playing a little girl who's trying to convince her parents not to get a divorce. The irony. Right. Which I thought was ironic. That's why I was like, I want to find it. Because A, her and her brother are playing two entirely different roles in these monologues. And then B, like, spot the irony in Jeanette's. Right. Poor you girl's know? like, really? I had Not only do I have to live this, now I have to act it, too. Right. Not that she wants her parents to divorce, but right. trying to manage that relationship. Right. So then, right, like you said, Marcus goes first. He comes back. He's in a good mood. He says that Barbara was super talkative. The other woman that was in there laughed a lot. They thought he was really funny. Like, it, you really get the impression Marcus's went really well. Marcus killed it. Marcus killed it. 10 out of 10. So then Jeanette goes back and she does her monologue and she basically says that she goes through it once and Barbara says, throw it away. And Jeanette was like, what do you mean? What do you mean throw it away? And she goes, just throw away everything you know, be a lot more casual, just read us a monologue, like give us a monologue, basically. So she says, I do it again. And then she says, Barbara basically gives the other woman this like, eh, whatever face. And says, like, thank you, we're good, we've seen enough. So she says, you know, her worst nightmare, she has to go see mom and Marcus in the car. Mom asks, how was it? And Jeanette's basically like, it was fine. And mom goes, well, were they talkative? And she goes, no. She goes, well, did they laugh a lot? And Jeanette goes, no. And mom's sort of like, huh, okay. Like, it's odd. Mom's like, red flags are going off in mom's head. Well, and she says, too, she's like, as she's walking back after they say, you know, Thank you. We've seen enough. She's like, I realize I haven't been in here very long. Not nearly as long as right, Marcus. Right, right. said, so I'm trying to walk really slowly. And she said, I think it was like the most I added on was maybe a minute. Just hoping for right. longer time so I wouldn't have to basically get questioned why it didn't take as long as Mark, you know, and have to basically explain that, well, it didn't go as well as Marcus's. Right. So then she says the whole ride home. Mom can be, she can basically tell that mom is trying to fake how happy she is for Marcus or trying to show, force how happy she is for Marcus, but that basically she's disappointed in Jeanette. Like Jeanette's like, it's very obvious she's struggling because she's so disappointed in me at the same time. So then she says that Laura, this was the second woman who sat in on the Barbara Cameron audition, Laura calls and delivers the news to Jeanette's mom. And basically says, we like Marcus a lot. We want to take him on as a client. But Jeanette, she's just lacks charisma. And so, of course, mom's like, that's great that you want to sign Marcus. But what if you just sign Jeanette, too, and basically give her a couple jobs? And if they don't go well, then you can just cut her. Yeah, if she doesn't book. Right. If she doesn't book well, then you can cut her. She's a quick learner. She takes directions well. You know, mom's really trying to solve Jeanette. Like, why don't you sign Jeanette, too? You know, sign them both, sign them both. And this Laura's kind of like, well, you know, we have a lot of other young female talent. It's really hard for young females to get into the industry, to get things booked. Like, we're just really not sure. Trying to let her down easy. Yeah, basically trying to let her down easy. And mom's just like (laughs) not letting it go, not getting it, not accepting no. Like, mom's just really, really pushing back. And so finally, Laura's basically like, oh, whatever. Let me check with Barbara and I'll call you back. Well, sure enough. Laura calls back and basically says, Barbara says we'll sign Jeanette too, but she's going to need to start going to weekly acting classes. And so basically then mom gets off the phone. Mom tells her you're going to need to start doing weekly acting classes to get more comfortable with yourself or something like that. But she accepts (coughs) it. 
And mom shakes her head in awe and pride. She breathes a sigh of relief and then pulls me into a hug. She says, you're a principal actor now, sweetheart. No more background for my baby. It's giving Mother Dearest vibes. A hundred percent. And you're like, or mommy this dearest. is not going to end well. Like, you're like, the yeah. whole time I feel like I had this vibe, like, this is not going to end. And obviously, I mean, the damn book is titled, I'm Glad My Mom Died. Right. Like, obviously, we know it doesn't end well. But you're just sort of like, really? You know, because also, like, I also just think, like, Marcus... So, like, Marcus didn't really want to do this either. You convinced him to do it. And now you're almost belittling the fact that he got it by being like, well, you have to take a sister, too. And I'm right. not going to take no for an answer. You're going to take the sister. You're going to take the sister. And then she's all excited. You know, my baby's not a background actor anymore. My baby's a star. And you're like, well, your other baby over there already was one. Right. But I guess we're going to brush right over that. Right. Do you know, and where are yeah. the other two that we don't care about? You know? Like, Which, don't get me wrong. I'm sure it's hard. Like, I'm not a parent, but... I think it would be hard to take constructive criticism like that. Oh, 100%. Of, like, she lacks charisma. That would, ouch. You know, my baby has, like, I think any parent's going to say, like, well, you don't know my child. Like, I know them. They're amazing and wonderful and awesome and all these things. But you just get the vibe reading this chapter that it's, like, it's not so much that for her. that it, But it is, like, well, this is my dream. So, like, we're going to make it happen. Right. It's not necessarily about Jeanette. It's about how Jeanette can get me the in. I can live my dream through her. Right. And you continue to get through her dialogue. I think she does a wonderful job writing this and taking you into that moment. Like you can picture this happening. You're right there with them. Um, but you continually get the vibe. Like Jeanette's like, I I could take it or leave it. Right. <laughs> like no, this the is whole not. Time. Yeah. This is not. You know how you, you hear people you know say like you know my my child really wanted to act i didn't i didn't push them into it they wanted it and so i said as long as you want it i'll support it right this is not that this is not that this yeah. is pushing her until she wants it 100 percent, or not yeah. even until she wants it but until she like gets what it. she wants yeah right like until, until mom right. gets what she wants right so that's chapter eight so then chapter nine is the acting class so it starts with her two months into one of the Barbara Cameron to the Barbara Cameron acting class that basically was a requirement for Barbara to sign her. And she is not a fan of this acting class. Did you pick up on that too? Like she's not yeah. at all a fan of this. And I think she says she didn't realize at the time, but what was the girl's name? That is Barbara. It's like Barbara is the main owner of the business, the main agent. And then who's the girl? Laura is her other agent yeah. in the business. Well, she goes, I didn't realize Laura was going to be the teacher. Right. Laura's the teacher of the acting class. So now it's even more moms pushing, well, Laura's going to see you and Laura's going to expect right. this of you. And, you know, everything rides on you doing well in this acting class. So right. you need to basically pressures on. This right. isn't some fun class, you know, to keep you busy and something you enjoy. This is this is work. Right. So she says that every class basically starts out with a bit of loosening up. And loosening up is that Laura basically starts making all these really weird faces and weird hand gestures and just, like, acting crazy to Jeanette. And everybody in class is expected to basically mimic what she's doing almost as, like, an icebreaker. Like, loosen up, get your face ready, get your, like, hand gestures ready, get everything, like... And she says, you know, like, basically as soon as they're done with, like, the faces and all that, then they need to pretend to be animals and... Some kids need to be a kitten. Some kids are a monkey. Some kids are an elephant. 
all these different things. And basically, she was assigned trumpet at one point. At one point, she needed to act like someone who's basically, was it, she was the elephant. Oh, then the trumpet She was the elephant, and she had the trumpet noise from, like, the trunk, right? Yeah. This was when she was the elephant. And basically that she did not, she did not want to be a trumpet. She did not want to be an elephant. She did not want to do this trumpet. And then basically she had Laura yelling at her, like singling her out in the class being like, Jeanette, trumpet like you mean it. Trumpet like you mean it. Yeah. And Jeanette's basically like, I'm mortified at this point. Like I'm humiliated. I'm in a room full of strangers. Like. And you get the vibe. Basically I want nothing to do with this. Yeah. You get the vibe that other kids enjoy it. Like this is a great outlet for them. That again, this might be something their parents like, well, they really enjoy doing it. So this is a great activity to get them into. This is not Jeanette. This is again, another work another put that smile on don't be difficult do it pressures on this isn't just some fun kids acting camp right so then when they get past basically the first part of loosening up and all the things then they move into the memorization techniques and they're basically each they're given a scene and they have 30 minutes to memorize their characters lines and then they go up on stage with Laura one-on-one and they basically read their lines cold, which she's learned as a showbiz term for rapid and without emotion. So they're just getting the lines down. Let's just get them memorized. Let's not worry about the emotion. And basically they're told that this, the, the thought process behind doing it cold first without emotion is so that it doesn't sound too rehearsed. They, don't, yeah. they want the kids when they ultimately, you know, hopefully would land a role to basically not sound... So stiff, so rehearsed, so by the book, they want it to be like a casual <sighs> conversation. And that's the point here. But Jeanette says that memorizing is the part of the class she dislikes the least because she feels she's the best at it. Yeah. She says it takes her 15 minutes or less to memorize her lines. She's got them down. And that the problems basically, um, basically that the problems, the the emotions are the problem, not the words. Forcing emotions into it is uncomfortable, and then putting those emotions on in front of other people feels gross to her. That basically, like, I can memorize the lines in no time. It's not a problem. I can get up there and I can read them cold with Laura. But the second that we need to throw those emotions in there, now I feel... Doesn't she even say at one point... Or am I crazy? Was this a different part where she's like, basically to be on the stage one-on-one with Laura and try to force emotion into these lines in front of all these other kids in the audience, almost makes her feel, like, naked and vulnerable and, like, all the eyes are on her. I don't remember if she said that specifically. Is that this you get part that or is that a different part? Where she's, like, I know at one point she's, like, it makes me feel naked and vulnerable and whatever, but maybe this is... Maybe I'm jumping ahead. Maybe that's a different part. I don't know. So then after the memorization comes the scene work, which is her least favorite part because it's the part where she needs to actually perform... And then this is where basically in preparation for each class, they're given a scene in advance where they need to memorize and break it down. Breaking the scene down is a process where they ask questions about their character, what their character actually wants, what does the character I'm interacting with actually want, how are these people at odds, how does my character feel about it. So now they're trying to actually go deeper into, we've got the memorizing down, we've got the emotion thrown in there, now we're trying to build the full story of... What exactly is this emotion is this emotion supposed to look like based on the story before it and then the story to come after it? Yeah. Right? You're getting to know your character, what's going on in that scene, 
so you can deliver that emotional performance. Right. And again, this is a situation where they ultimately end up on stage one-on-one with Laura and all these kids are in the audience. It's also important to note that this is also where we find out that the parents were not to attend these classes. This is my favorite part. The parents were asked <laughs> specifically not to attend these classes. However, Jeanette's mom is in the audience because she insisted. The rules don't apply to Jeanette's mom, Deb. A hundred percent. And part of the reason is because when Laura explained, like, we basically don't allow parents to sit in, it's because Deb came with, well, I had stage four metastatic ductal carcinoma, breast cancer, my bones are weak from the chemo, sitting in the car for too long pains me, and I'm not supposed to walk around in the hot sun. At which point, Laura, being the savage that she is, (laughs) goes, well, there's a coffee shop right (laughs) up the road. At which point, Deb says, um... I could never pay $2.50 for a cup of coffee. Like, right. At that point, you're like, you'll have any excuse in the book. Drive home, come back later. Right. Go, yeah, just unbelievable. Deb has an excuse for everything. And again, this is her, cancer is her, this sounds rude, and I would never say this about anybody else, but cancer is her claim to fame. Right. In her or, mind, especially. You know, like, right. I, I need. Right. Well, because this is, you know. Because I have cancer, I get whatever I want. The cancer card. Right, the cancer card. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, So basically, long story short, Laura caved and mom sits in on all these classes. (laughs) Deb gets her way. (laughs) Right. Deb gets her way. And the chapter chapter basically (laughs) ends with Jeanette saying, and every time class is over, she feels this huge relief. Like she finally gets a break. Because she also goes home then. Her mom takes her home. And they don't need to talk about acting for the rest of the night. She wakes up in the morning and they need to talk about it. But she gets the rest of that night off as a break. They don't need to talk about it. They don't need to talk about the jobs, the monologues, any of it. She gets the rest of the night free. So that's nine. Do you want to do ten? This is the Kathy Lee Gifford. <laughs> and all the things. Okay. So... Um, chapter 10 starts with Jeanette basically saying, I I don't want to say that word. She's not comfortable saying that word. She's looking over the lines. She's doing an audition with Mad TV. And the sketch is a parody on Kathy Lee Gifford, who was on Regis and... Did they call it Regis and Kathy then? It was Regis and Kelly. But it was Regis and... Was it Kathy back then? It was first Regis and Kathy Lee Gifford. And then when Kathy left, this is not in the book, but this is just me. Right. This is a side note. Yeah. Live with Regis and Kathy Lee. It just seems weird to say live with Regis and Kathy Lee when I just always knew it as Regis and Kelly. Yeah. Regis and Kelly. So anyway, it's a parody on Kathy Lee Gifford and her children. And she's... Jeanette's trying out for the parody version of Kathy's daughter. So then it goes into, so she's telling her mom, I don't want to say that word. Excuse me. And her mom says, well, it has so many different meanings. You know, sometimes it means happy. Right when she says that, I'm like, oh, we know what the word is. Right. And her mom says, it's in Christmas songs for crying out loud. And then she says, now, Don, we now are gay apparel. Um, so she says, she's, you know, she can feel that her mom sympathizes with her. Or she wouldn't be trying to over-explain it. But her mom is, you know, basically like, you have to say it. You know, trying to convince her. Right. It's fine. Just say it. Um, Let's see. And she's basically saying, again, 
We got to go on these so Barbara knows you're not difficult. Everything is about not being difficult and being happy to be there and, right. you know, right. Well, it's work. Everything is about securing the next job. Like, right. everything is about making sure she stays with the agency. She books another job. She, she impresses Barbara. Yeah. And that's what she says. She says, plus, we need to book something so she keeps sending you out. Right. And then she kind of uh, bribes her. And she says, look, we can get ice cream afterward if you do a good job. And she says, we've got that coupon that sister so-and-so gave out in, you know, Bible class at Church Sunday. So she says that they're practicing at home. So then the next day she goes to the audition. She says, the room is small. The walls are white and nothing's on them. She sees the fellow auditioners and their mothers sitting in fold-out chairs. And all the girls are blonde. So it must have been a casting call. For blonde girls. For blondes, right. Says she can tell all the moms are anxious for their kids. The casting person comes out to get her. um, And she says her mouth is really dry before auditions. Um, She says, I think it's because of the sugar-free Red Bulls mom has me drink before comedy auditions. Because she says, I don't have comedy energy otherwise. Which begs the question of, I... Is that safe? I mean, I listen. I'm not... Oh, I wasn't going to go there. I mean, who knows? I wasn't going to go there. I was gonna, The only time I've ever had Red Bull is with vodka. And I feel like it begs the question to me of like, so mom gives kid sugar-free Red Bull to boost her energy. But if it's sugar-free, is it still an energy drink? Oh, I mean, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It has caffeine, I'm sure. Hypes them up. Maybe that's... I don't know. I'm not big into. Do you see energy. what I'm saying? I'm not big into the energy drinks, and God knows I've eaten stuff, or my parents have let me eat stuff that was unhealthy. But I, it's just weird to me, like that the mom's like basically like here, drink one of these before you go because right. you need that energy. You need to have right. that comedic energy that basically you lack otherwise. So she says the casting person calls her back. So they're in this room waiting with all the other people when the casting person comes out, right? And her mom, um, as Jeanette's walking away with the casting um, person. Jeanette's mom says, you've got this net. You're better than all these other girls. So she's walking out. Her mom's sitting in front of all these In front girls. of all these other people. So then the one girl gets sad. Yeah, she says, I walk by and one of my competitors looks down sad. And she sees that girl's mother comforting her. I'm like, who says that? Like, But again, this is very, you're getting the feeling. This is who Deb is as a person. She's 100%. 100%. And so they take her in. You know, she does great. The men are laughing. They tell her she's done well. Or no, she says, I must have done well uh, because they're laughing. And she says, um, here comes my next line. And it's, Gelman, you are so gay. That's what the line is. She says, there's more laughter. And then she goes out to meet her mom. Her mom, of course, asking, oh, my gosh, how'd it go? All the things. And she says, they said I was, they said I was funny. And her mom says, that's right. My baby's funny and serious, too, when she needs to be. You got it all. You want nutty coconut? So they're going to the ice cream shop Right. They're going to get the ice cream she was promised as a bribe. Yes. So they go to the ice cream, and she usually gets nutty coconut. And she tells her mom, no, I think I'm going to do cookies and cream. And then she says her mom turns around alarmed, like, you don't want, sorry, that's my phone. You don't want nutty coconut? You know, like, she can tell by her mom's face, like, she's a little upset. She says, I'm frozen. I don't know what to say. Her mom seems upset. She paused, 
like waiting to see how her mom's reacting before she looks at her next move. And then basically ultimately decides, well, no, she says, then her mom says, but Nutty Coconut's been your favorite for eight months. You're changing. You're growing up. Again, kind of like gaslighting, you know, right. like everything's right. about mom's feelings. So she right. puts her head up, grabs mom by the hand and then says, you know, never mind. I want Nutty Coconut. And of course, any other mom would be like, no, you really want cookies and cream. You can get cookies and cream. Like, I just right. know it used to be your favorite. This is not that. No, I'll get Nutty Coconut. And mom goes, oh, are you sure? And she said, yeah, positive. So right. again, always desperate to make her mom happy. And right. analyze how her mom is feeling. And, you know, before she makes her next move, it's always, what does mom need? So her mom, she says, orders a kid scoop. For us to share. I don't know about you, but I'm wanting my own kid scoop. Right. Uh, right. She right. hands a coupon um, to the person. She says they're eating it in the booth. And she said, I'm secretly sick of the coconut flavor. But I'm sure to make lots of mmms. So mom thinks I love it. So again, willing to lie, willing to put her feelings aside for the betterment of mom. So she says while they're eating it, her mom gets a page. And it's a pager she bought herself for Christmas. So and again, Deb gets her way. Right. So she bought this for Christmas um, so she could know, you know, the second that Barbara Cameron pages her for, you know, jobs or whatnot, so she could get back to her right away. And so she looks at her pager, goes off. It's Barbara. It's Barbara. So she goes over to the ice cream counter and basically says, do you guys have a phone? And the ice cream people are like, yeah, we do, but it's not for customers. It's only for staff. And then, of course, her mom has to basically let them know. My daughter's an actress. Uh, yeah. I know, like, for common folk. Right. But right. for us, right. for us, you maybe don't know, my daughter's an actress, and she might have just booked a speaking role on a show. She was on a show called MTV. Have you heard of Mad TV? Or not MTV. Mad TV. Have you heard of Mad TV? And finally, they're just like, I think they're probably Whatever over it. The phone. They're not yeah. impressed. They're like, you know what? I get, don't get paid enough to hear your story. Use the phone. She reaches across the counter. She calls Barbara. And basically, mom screams. She's so excited. She says the employees plug their ears. Because mom's screaming so loud. And then she says, Nat, you booked it. You booked it. She hangs up with Barbara. She pulls the net into a tight squeeze. And she says, I love the smell of, this is Jeanette, I love the smell of her warm skin mixed with her wings perfume. I'm so happy she's happy. I'm so happy she's happy. Right. I'm, take it or leave it. But, but that's kind of, I mean, like we've been saying from the beginning, though, that's kind of the underlying theme in this whole book is like, I'm so happy mom's happy. I'm upset mom's upset. I'm sad mom's sad. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's kind of the underlying, like, or not even underlying. That's kind of just the theme the of the damn thing. Right. Is that we're going to follow what mom, we're going to follow mom's lead. Yes. We're going to do what makes mom happy and we're going to try to avoid what doesn't make her happy. Right. And if mom's happy, everyone's happy. Right. Right. It's like happy wife, happy life. Happy Deb, happy Jeb. I don't know. 
I don't know. Right. But right. yeah, thoughts on overall. So that's the end of 10. Yeah. So she's booked her first speaking role on Mad TV. Right. Thoughts overall. I think it's, I actually really like the book so far. Like, yes. I do really, really like the book. I think it's really good. I only know Jeanette McCurdy as, like, Sam on iCarly. Do you know yeah. what I, Like, that's about the extent. I don't know anything about her relationship with her mom and her whatever. So I see where, like I've said, I see where there's clearly foreshadowing of, like, mom's pocketing most of her wages and mom's taking charge and mom's insisting on being in the room and mom's wiping her butt through age 10 and, like you know, like, mom's not letting her order the ice cream she wants. Like... This is clearly like a thing. This is, there's a lot of foreshadowing going on. I would imagine on what we're what we're coming with, but I'm excited to get to that. Like I'm excited to get to where I think this is probably going to go. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I agree. And it's also um, I'm excited as I keep going on because I feel like we're just we're just getting started. Like this is just laying like right. I feel like this was like the background the story. Of, like in case you don't have any idea who I am, this is how my childhood was. I'll give this you a is, full intro. This is the foundation you know? of what is yeah. to come. And it's interesting too because the book starts out. So the first chapter starts out, and you get this page that says "before." Right. So I take this, to which mean, would lead me to believe before mom died. Yes, that's yeah. what I was thinking too. So this is before mom died. This is everything leading up to what happened right. before, and then later on in the book, like midway through. Then it gets to this page where it says after. So then I think it takes you on the journey that is yeah. to come. So I'm excited to get the buildup of Which was surprising. The lead up. Yeah. Well, and that was surprising to me too because <gasps> it really is like, I mean, it might be a little more than halfway, but it really is kind of the middle of the book where we switch to the after. And I guess I was just thinking at first glance of the title, I'm glad my mom died. I was actually thinking the whole book might be the before. And yeah. that mom might die in the, like, second to last, if not last, chapter. You know, like, yeah. and then you're like, okay, the book ends with this, like, quote-unquote happy ending because now she has relief because mom just died three pages before the book ended. Right. Do you know? And instead it's like, oh, no, 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 we're going to see life after mom, too, for a little while. Like, we're right. going to get, we have half of a book that's life after mom. That I, like, that'll be interesting to see what happens, what even, like, because, yes, the before is rough, and it's ugly, and it's clearly not, you know, there's no candy-coated lenses on the on the before so far. But it's interesting, too, because I feel like some people would have this, like, difficult childhood, difficult relationship, difficult whatever. And then as soon as they die, they would go, well, but I do miss this, this, and, you know, it wasn't right. all perfect. It wasn't all great, but I do miss this, this, and this. We had these moments. We had whatever. Clearly, the after is just reinforcing how happy she. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like that, you just go like, "What does the after look like?" That yeah. makes it so rough, even after. Do you know what I mean? Right. And how does that death transform, like how she right. feels about her mom? Because, like, right now, even in that um, prologue, when she's saying, "Like my mom's on her deathbed," right. I'm thinking of like you know the most exciting thing my mom could hear right. Right. to wake her up is that I've lost weight. Right. And I'm now at that goal weight she had for me of 89 right. pounds. So, Wait, she almost seems like she loves her mom. Yeah, you so see far. that, like, like, like she's going to be happy about that. So right. I'm interested to see where that transitions into from, I need to make mom happy. I worry about mom. I need, like, mom's my priority. She's my best friend, and I need to 
right be that adult for her like almost right. be a caregiver to mom in right. a lot of ways right emotionally at least and where that transforms into quite literally i'm glad my mom died like right. how do we right. get from a to b and that's gonna right i'm excited the other part of this too that i'm excited about is that i hope we get to see more we get to see it's a book not a show i hope we get to hear more um of the brothers Yes. Because are the brothers also glad mom died? Like, again, I only know her as Sam on iCarly. I don't really... And I know that she quit acting and she said she'll never go back to acting. That's about the extent of what I know. Is she still on good terms with these brothers? Did these bro- Would these brothers sit here and say, I'm also glad mom died? Right. Or... Because there's always going to be one, right? Like, this Dustin and Scotty or whatever, you know, like, Marcus clearly got bullied into being an actor, too. Right. You know, but, like, the Scott, this Scotty and this Dustin... Maybe they had a great relationship with mom and they were her baby that, you know, like. Because they didn't have that same Do they all feel, like, how did the brothers feel about the book? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, these are things that, like, I hope we, <laughs> I hope we, I hope we see more of, like, where were the brothers through Their perspective, this? too. You know what I mean? Like. It is so, you know, because every perspective is different. Right. Like, we could be in the same. Right thunderstorm right? right and i'm like it was the worst thing of my life i was right. scared to death there was a tornado right it was awful things were flying everywhere right. and you might be in that same storm and you're like it was like probably one of the best ones i've seen i've right. seen 10 times worse so it's right. all about that perspective right. and knowing that her perspective might be different from the other brothers so i think that's right. an interesting point too of like did they have that same relationship right that same kind of responsibility that she feels now to kind of care for her mother and watch out and well and i think naturally in a situation where you have three older brothers and then the last is a girl the only girl i think you are it doesn't surprise me that she has that that relationship with her mom i mean mothers and daughters is good and bad and ugly and everything in between do you know what i mean like And especially when it's a one-on-one, when there were three boys and then you have one girl and you always wanted to be an actress, but your parents wouldn't let you. It doesn't entirely shock me that mom would try to encourage her daughter to be an actress. Do you know what I mean? Can I say, it's kind of, we talked about this, you, just you and I off, right offline here, but we're talking about like how people always say like, oh, I could have gone pro if I hadn't torn my right. ACL my senior right. year. Like, right. I feel like I get that vibe. You know, those people, the people that tore their ACL and feel like they got, they were somehow disadvantaged due to circumstances beyond their control. In this case, her mom. Right. Her her grandparents preventing her mom from doing it. And her marriage preventing her from really, right. you know, getting the best out of life, all these things. That now, because they couldn't have it, now they live vicariously through their child. And I'm so, like... I grew up playing sports as a kid, and there were so many parents like that, where you could just tell that the parent wanted it so much more than the child, and you'd always feel so bad, because that pressure, like, my parents are not perfect. No, nobody's parents are. Right. But I think back to my parents, it was all about, like, have fun, do your best, and if you make a commitment, stick with it. Right. You know, like, those were the three kind of tears, and, like, if you had a bad game, and you know... Oh, let's let's get ice cream. Let's celebrate. It was fun to watch play. Whereas, like her mom seems like the one to be like, "You did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, and you need to get this." And so and so, it's like, let them be kids. Let them play ball, type of thing. You know, like 
let it be because they want it and let them have fun, it's not about you. But right. you get the vibe that it's all about her mom. Right. I agree. And she could have gone pro. She could have been an actor. Right. She could have landed, what was his name? Quincy, Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones. You know. Which is so cringy. <laughs> like, I... <laughs> like... It's like those people that think everyone is flirting with them. Right. Like, I can't stand that. Like, and it makes me think, like, God, if you're nice to someone, like, I hope they don't think I was flirting with them. Right. Like, I just like to smile and be nice to people. Right. And some people don't. Like, it just seems, like, weird to me. This is kind of going off topic. But she seems like one of those people that just feels like everybody's into her. Oh, for sure. Everybody loves her. For sure. She's Deb, the lady with, you know, the cancer story and all, like, her claim to fame is that and everything's about her and she's entitled and even to the point of, like, I think you said, like, damn, you're trying to bully them into taking your daughter when they didn't want to. Right. Like, you know, negotiating that. Yeah. I'm I'm really excited, though, because (laughs) I'm so excited for what's to come, but just the picture on the book. Right. It. Here's the thing. Is that the real urn? I don't know. That's what I'd like to know. No, it's I don't like, think so. It's like a hot it has paper pink... in it, like paper shreds. Oh, okay. It's like a hot pink urn. And I'm like, is mom really in the hot pink urn? That would be hilarious. It's not rude to say hilarious, but it looks like there's like paper shreds that you'd put in a gift bag in it. <clears throat> so yes. And I want to read some of the stuff on the back that just a couple of people said. Um, Lena Dunham said, Jeanette McCurdy is the queen of lemonade from lemons, using her trauma to weave a painfully funny story that also illuminates the commodification teenage girls in America. An important cultural document, just as much as a searingly personal one. Someone else, um, Jenny Lawson from New York Times bestseller said, how can a book be so sad and also so funny? It's an art and Jeanette McCurdy has mastered it here. I'm glad my mom died is hysterical and heartbreaking and fascinating all at the same time. So just the, that's right on the book, but there's been so many great reviews. Um, I've, like I said, I've known people that have read it when I was mentioning that we're reading it for a book club on it unfiltered. Um, a lot of people were saying, oh my gosh, it's so good. That's a good choice. Um, so I'm really excited for what is to come, but now I am wondering, like, was that ever the urn? Just her pic, her, like her face as she's just holding the urn nonchalantly, like it's just another Tuesday. Just kind of makes me laugh, so. I'm seeing, like, mixed. I tried looking it up, and I'm seeing, like, mixed. A couple articles right off the bat on Google were saying that it was her mom's urn. Oh, really? And then this one from Entertainment Weekly says, um, Jeanette McCurdy is finally ready to share her story. The former actress best known for playing Sam Puckett on the Nickelodeon series iCarly has written a memoir about her time as a child star titled I'm Glad My Mom Died that promises to be as hilarious as it is heartbreaking, and EW is exclusively revealing the cover below. McCurdy shares that the book cover had gone through many iterations before landing on the darkly comic final version. Confetti spilling out of an urn felt like a good way of capturing the humor and the tragedy, but I knew I didn't want to go as far as throwing the confetti or jumping in the air with a huge smile on my face or doing any other kind of body language facial expression that could be read as flippant, she says. Ultimately, I chose a facial expression that I think reads as sincere, a little pained, and a little hopeful. So, 
I don't know. There's like mixed. That would lead me to believe no, that she's right. just saying I grabbed a prop urn and filled it with confetti because I thought it would be funny and dark and whatever. But then I've seen a couple that are like, it's her mom's urn. So I'm not sure. Honestly, that's cool. So a hot pink urn. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, I'm thinking, I just kind of laugh at the picture just because I think with the title, it's just so funny. Like, I just think that was a genius, genius way to market it. But anywho, yeah, that is chapters one through ten with Unfiltered. Um, thanks for coming along with us, guys. Please share with us. Um, we'll we'll put some things on the page throughout the week, just on our Instagram. You know, asking questions to grab your thoughts and ideas. Um, what takeaways you guys had? We would love to hear from you guys too. Um, you know what you thought of chapters one through ten. Um, what, what takeaways you had, what do you think is to come? I have some ideas, but I'm, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, guys, thank you so, so much. We're so excited to be having this book club, but again, please interact with us. Like I said, we'll have things on our social media, so be sure to let us know what you guys are thinking. Um, but yeah, thanks for, this is our first one, so we're kind of learning trial and error, so we hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for coming along this journey with us. We will see you next week, and just to make sure I tell you the right information before we go of what <laughs> chapters we will be reading. Might be nice to know. So the chapters, if you're new, just found us. Uh, we are reading I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. This is our first week. We have a total of five weeks that we're meeting. So this first week we covered chapters 1 through 10. Um, next Friday, February 10th, we'll be covering chapters 11 through 30. So we'll meet you right back here. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend.